Hi everyone, Jen here and welcome to the Catalyst Wedding Review Podcast. It's time for me to do a little housekeeping before we jump into this episode. So first and foremost, I want to send out a huge thanks to everyone who voted for us to win the FedEx Small Business Grant. We find out this week if we are one of the finalists, and then in two weeks we find out if we won one of the prizes. But honestly, knowing how many of you voted for us, told other people to vote for us, and were generally awesome about rooting for us was just really huge, and we can't say thank you enough. Also, I want to say thank you to everyone who has backed us on Patreon. Support from our vendor community and support from our patrons on Patreon is what keeps us in business. If you want to ensure that Catalyst exists and continues to keep disrupting the wedding industry, and you also want to hear more episodes of this podcast, then head to patreon.com slash catalystwedco and become a patron today. And finally, while I had every intention of releasing this podcast weekly, We just have so much content being published every day on CatalystWedco.com that doing a weekly podcast as well isn't quite feasible for our team at the moment. So going forward, expect to see a new episode every other week. We'll get back to our weekly programming as soon as we can. So now that that's all taken care of, let's get back to this week. And this week, we are going back to the late 90s to review the ill-fated wedding of Ross and Emily from Friends. Uh, And I am joined here today by Philadelphia-based family photographer who is probably best known for her work on her 100 Black Dads project, Lucy Baber. So welcome, Lucy. Hey, Jen. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. I'm like ready to go. (laughs) so before we get into friends tell us a little more about you how did you get started with photography and why did you decide to start bringing activism into your work so I've been a family photographer for gosh it's 2018 now so about six years Um, I did the very stereotypical course where I had a child and bought a camera and just decided to keep learning to get better. (laughs) And then, you know, it's the tale as old as time, right? Um, As old as digital camera time. And so I've been working with families and babies for a while. Honestly, okay, so let me back up. I was going to say 2016 happened, but there's more to it than that. My background's in social work. I've always been very interested in social justice racial justice issues are important in my community and in my everyday life with the Black Lives Matter movement and with all of the horrific stories of police brutality. I just became concerned and wanted to give back in some way. And so I decided to start my 100 Black Dads project as a way of flipping the narrative on how Black fatherhood is represented in the media. I started the project. It received a lot of uh, positive feedback and I started it in November, 2016. And we all know, you know, a little bit of what prompted that to kind of finally happen. He, I'd, he who will not be named. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the project had been turning over in my head for about two years by that point, but I finally just kind of had to rip the bandaid off and say, this is what I need to do now. 
by January of 2017, I realized I needed to just flip my whole brand. Project itself stands alone and it's been incredibly impactful in my life and in the lives of a lot of people so far. But I really wanted to take it a step further and just kind of announce to my community and my client base who I was and what I was all about. I didn't want to have to dread, you know, walking into homes where I was going to hear problematic language that made me uncomfortable or, you know, have heated political discussions that I wasn't comfortable with for my business. And I just really wanted to attract my people. And so I did. I decided to rebrand as an art activist. I've tried really hard to also um, hold up my end of that bargain. It's not just a marketing ploy in my mind. It's a accountability factor for me to keep reminding myself, how am I giving back with my art? I feel like your story is another great testament to the fact that when people really start to infuse their values with their business, they end up actually seeing their business grow because they end up kind of attracting the the ideal people that they always wanted to work with. I'm not going to lie. There were some growing pains with it. Also largely in part because I took on this huge pro bono project, which involves a lot of like working for free. So I had to find that balance um, last year when I wanted to be doing with the project, but I also needed to pay my own bills. But in addition to that, some of the growing pains are, I do think that it turns some people away. I'm fortunate that I live in an area that's very progressive. So I don't think I've struggled with that quite in the same way as somebody who lived in a much more rural conservative area might. But the bottom line is it feeds me. It feeds my soul. You know, as corny as that sounds, yeah. it's so amazing to have a client, you know, as, as artists, we love hearing like, nobody wants the, the client message that's just like, what are your prices? When can I book? You want to hear, oh, I love your work. I can't wait to work with you. These are the reasons I love everything about your brand or whatever. And taking that one step further and getting client feedback that's not only I love your art, but I love your purpose. It's just like, it's, it's like I said, it's, it helps me find my people. I end up friending a lot of my clients on Facebook and I don't have to censor myself because I know that they've come to me eyes wide open, knowing exactly what I'm all about. And we have a lot of conversations about those kind of taboo topics while I'm shooting their newborn session or whatever. I had a client recently, they got their dates mixed up, um, but we were trying to schedule and they were like, oh, I can't do that date because I want to go to the women's march. And I was like, oh, no worries. I'm going to that too. That's the, a different date. And just being able to just put that out there and not have to worry, is this okay to talk about? It's so satisfying. It's so deeply satisfying to to know that we're on the same page. And to get to be your like full true self. Exactly. Your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Your work has definitely been an inspiration for me and for many other people. So I'm really happy that you're here. I'm also really happy to talk about this particular wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So why did you pick this wedding in Friends? I mean, Friends in general, but also there are multiple weddings and friends. So why this particular one? (laughs) I feel like it's one of those like universal cultural references at this point. Like if you don't know who Ross and Emily and Ross and Rachel were, 
then like, where have you been? My choices were like movies, which are maybe a little bit more niche. I, I feel like everybody knows Ross and Rachel and, and also what happened at this wedding. But beyond that, I really wanted to explore. So it's, you know, it's 2018. Uh, Friends was on X number of years ago. I'm not going to try to do the math. 20. I think this. I think this episode was about twenty years ago. Oh my gosh! I don't even know what to do with that. But yeah. okay, so so unless you are like a millennial, you should know Ross and Rachel. Maybe maybe I'm dating myself too much. But I was curious because I loved Friends when it was on, and I wanted to be able to go back and kind of see it for what it is now with my new woke perspective or whatever. Um, and also just as a more mature human being, I feel like, you know, like there, there are those movies that people come back and say like, actually the movie love actually is really problematic for all these reasons. And I was like, wait a minute, whoa, don't touch that movie. And so I really wanted to dig into one that was kind of beloved by me, which is Friends. Also, this moment is just so like cringeworthy, this <laughs> whole storyline that like I knew there would be some juicy stuff in it and there was I remembered it well yeah it's very iconic I mean all of friends (laughs) is pretty iconic for anyone who grew up in the 90s it does make me feel pretty old now though that um friends is on Nick at night (laughs) oh my gosh I know oh that's crazy and Nick at night is like the old shows on Nickelodeon. Right. I, I still think Dick Van Dyke is on Nick at Night. Like, I, that's when I hear Nick at Night, I'm like, oh, that's like black and white. No. I know. <laughs> that's actually my childhood. Oh, uh, <laughs> shit world. Um, I know. Anywho. So, yes, for those of you listening at home who, if you've managed to not watch Friends ever in your life, <laughs> My husband's a couple of years younger than me, and so he never watched Friends growing up. Also, he's a dude. So, like, mm. I guess, like, a year ago, I finally made him watch all of it with me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I guess I like it. I guess it's okay. Oh, <laughs> but- so, I'm very excited because I also, I took notes while I was watching these episodes, and I wrote down a few of my husband's interjections while we were watching it together so um i'm not gonna name names but the person that i'm married to (laughs) has some feedback as well perfect (laughs) uh it's the very end of season four uh episodes 23 and 24 it's a two-parter and really in all honesty it's a three-parter because Mm -hmm. of course the season ends on like a cliffhanger and then we go into season five and the first episodes of season five is kind of the end of this particular story arc. To get anyone up to speed, we are talking about Ross, who Ross Geller is one of the main members of the whole Friends crew. Um, (laughs) Six people who live in New York and are friends and just hang out. And some of them are more believable characters than others. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so Ross is about to get married to Emily, who is a British woman who is from London. I honestly don't remember even how they met. They met because of, um, I think it was like Rachel's boss. It was something to do with Rachel. It was like a direct line through Rachel. Yeah, it was something with her work, I think. Fair warning, I remember a lot because my friend's rewatch was my whole <laughs> maternity leave when my, my four-year-old was born. 
my sister-in-law does that too and granted yep. my brother and sister-in-law have four kids and every single time <laughs> when she is like up late breastfeeding she rewatches friends so yep yep yeah. so yes ross is getting married to emily who's a british woman you need to know the backstory that rachel played by jennifer aniston is somebody that ross has previously dated and they broke up because Ross oh left with another woman while they were, quote, on a break. <laughs> but also he was being just an asshole in general. He was they, being a dude. Yeah. Sorry, dudes everywhere. He was being <laughs> a dude. Um, we're at the start of this episode and everybody is getting ready to fly to London. And we kind of very quickly, even if you have never seen any other episode, you get a sense of everybody's personality. Monica is being hyper-organized. Joey is being forgetful. Uh, Phoebe is staying behind because she's pregnant with her brother's babies. (laughs) So that story is that uh, Phoebe's brother is with a much older woman who could not get pregnant. And so they ask Phoebe to be their surrogate. And she's pregnant with his triplets. Yeah. She's carrying her brother's babies. But... She was not impregnated. (laughs) Very important distinction. And so Rachel has decided that she's going to stay behind and not go to London for the wedding, partially to help Phoebe and partially because she says that she can't get off work. But we, the viewer, know that obviously it's just because she's not ready to see Ross marry someone else. Yeah, which is like understandable. It's that sounds awkward to me. (laughs) Yeah, to be at your ex's wedding. Yeah, this is like the last, uh, the last wise decision Rachel makes in this arc (laughs) (laughs) to to try to stay home. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. For the next three episodes, she does not make a wise decision. No, not at all. They all get on a plane to London. Joey and Chandler go off to go see the sights and Joey has made this fantastic map (laughs) with (laughs) 3D versions of the major tourist attractions and he can't figure out how to read the map so he sits it down on the ground and he stands on the map to try to orient himself and it's fantastic (laughs) Um, this is what it was like before smartphones youngins You had to to use a paper map. And so Ross and Monica are off with Emily. And this is the first time we see Emily in this episode. And she's freaking out because the wedding is like two days away. Pretty typical, like pre-wedding, everything's going wrong kind of situation. Um, At first, you know, she's freaking out because the caterer said that it's going to be chicken Kiev instead of like tarragon chicken and the florist said that they don't have any tulips and the cellist says carpal tunnel (laughs) so like (laughs) maybe a little more than just your typical wedding fiasco but like all things that we in the wedding world can relate to and Ross is trying to calm her down and he does the sign for time out (laughs) oh yeah Which is is fantastic because in Great Britain, that sign of like your left hand being vertical and your right hand perpendicular to it (laughs) actually means up yours. And so she's just like, well, up yours too. Uh, Which 
I think is a great response. <laughs> but basically, he's just like, no, I'm sorry, and trying to calm her down. And then they start talking about where they're getting married. And she can't believe that they were able to book this place because it's going to be torn down eventually. And Emily's parents were married there, so it's a whole big deal. And then as they walk up, they see that the demolition has already begun. <laughs> and it's, like, basically falling down. I don't, I, what would you do if you were put in that situation and the place hmm. you were getting married was literally in the midst of being demolished? I mean, so there's a couple things happening. Obviously, having seen this episode several times, it's really hard for me to not imagine the thing that they end up doing. Like, they just end up having it there and like cleaning it up and making it beautiful. And now, and like even seeing it with like debris everywhere and it's just a mess and it's not cleaned up at all. I'm like, well, of course you're going to put like twinkle lights up and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) But I'm trying to like think if that was actually me, of course I would not see like envision that down the road. How did they even like, were they trespassing? Oh my God. There were so many problematic things just in the logistics of this entire wedding. Like, down the road, like, at the rehearsal dinner, the, the parents are discussing, like, money. I'm like, how did all of this happen without anyone having discussed any of these logistics? And where is the wedding planner? <laughs> like, why? A wedding planner would have dealt with so much of this. They really needed a wedding planner. Yeah, but, okay, so, like, even if, let's just put all of the nonsensical stuff aside, I don't believe, and maybe it's my personality, I would not have said the only answer is to cancel the wedding, which is what Emily decides shortly thereafter. Like, well, well we can't get married in this it. place. She's talking with Monica and uh, apparently Monica was like, well, maybe you should postpone it, which is right. a reasonable right. thing to do because like where else are, if you're getting married in two days, where else are you going to find a place to get married? But I don't know. I would have been on the phone. I like yeah, they, they showed no evidence that anybody tried to think outside the box and like there was just no problem solving at all and it's not like like my husband's family when we got married drove six hours to our wedding and I thought that was a big imposition on people it's not like it, it was a, a local wedding where everybody was just driving 20 minutes up the road People flew across the world for this, and I just can't imagine a scenario where I, I don't know, maybe it's my own guilt. I would not have thought, this is my day, and I don't care about everybody else's lives. I'm going to have the wedding of my dreams. I would have, like, bent over backwards to, like, make it happen in that time frame that everybody was there. If that was, if the people were important to me. I don't know. I don't have a lot of sympathy for brides in the whole, like, perfect day scenario line of thinking that I think is very standard in the wedding industry. I I was just like, why? Why would that be the first thing you think about to postpone? Well, like everybody's there. Just get married. I don't care where it is. Well, we also have Monica a little bit later giving this very traditional, mm-hmm. very uh, <laughs> patriarchal speech. Maybe maybe if you have been dreaming about your wedding since you were five. I just think that Monica's characterization that all women think about it this way is not great. Right. But, but probably also accurate for Emily, to be fair. To be fair. So Monica 
and Ross are talking. Ross is basically blaming Emily getting upset on Monica um, because she came up with the idea to postpone the wedding. And Ross is like, I told her it was stupid to put off the wedding just because the hall was gone and she flipped out. And then Monica says, oh my God, you're even dumber than I am. And Ross is like, (laughs) what do you mean? So Monica (laughs) asks Ross, how long have you been planning this wedding? He's like, I don't know, a month. Monica's response is, Emily has probably been planning it since she was five. Ever since the first time she took a pillowcase and hung it off the back of her head. That's what we did. We dreamed about the perfect wedding, the perfect place, with the perfect four-tiered wedding cake, and the little people on top. But most importantly, we dreamed about the perfect guy who understood how important all that stuff was. And it's like... Okay, maybe that's accurate for you and Emily, but it's not accurate for all women. That conversation could have been just as effective without that part. It could have just been like, hey, you've already lost one marriage because of probably lack of communication. Maybe this time around you could try to empathize with the woman you're in love with and communicate with her better and try to see her point of view and work through this together. Um, and not to, not to downplay Ross's first marriage and blame it all on lack of communication, but like, this is your chance to be in a marriage and make it work with a woman that you love. None of that came up in this conversation. It's after Monica explains that all women dream of their wedding since they were five, that Ross comes up with the idea to put twinkle lights and candles everywhere and put lots of flowers and essentially decorate this completely falling down building. I forgot to mention um, my husband's commentary on this. At this, at the point that Emily says that she wants to postpone, my husband says, just like out loud, Ross is the worst. Because <laughs> he really <laughs> is. He really he is. does not make the best decisions in life. Ross is annoying, and his character in general is very like self-absorbed and whiny and pretentious. But I actually thought this was like the least annoying that Ross has been during these episodes. He does some really stupid stuff, but in the grand scheme of Ross, this is like not the worst until the very end of the second episode that we're going to talk about. He's trying really hard. He's he, I think he is. I think they, he's genuinely in love with Emily. I think that he's trying really hard to have a functioning relationship, even though he probably doesn't know what one actually looks like. He's doing his best. He, there were several moments where he really does try to be in that space with her and make the best choices he knows how. Yeah, and they've been in a long-term <laughs> relationship Well, not a long-term. I mean, long distance. Sorry. Yeah, long Long distance. (laughs) It was a very short relationship. Short-term, long distance. Yes, yes. So things have moved very quickly, and he's very committed to her. I did write a quote that I thought was very sweet. Um, So like you said, they fix up the church. It's all beautiful. And Emily is wowed again. And Ross is, you know, saying, like, we did this, but if you're not convinced, like, I will... I'll postpone. I'll do whatever you want, basically. And then he says, um, and if it rains, and then Emily says, well, then I'll get wet. And I thought that that was really sweet. Like at that point, you just really believe that they actually are in love, which you weren't really sure the whole time up until this point. Like, yeah, why are they getting married? 
It's a really sweet moment. Meanwhile, back in New York. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say about Rachel. (laughs) Yes. So back in New York, Phoebe and Rachel are in the apartment and Rachel is saying like, She's bummed about how she left things with Ross. She feels bad that she lied to him about having to work. He tried to talk Rachel into going right before he left. And she was like, no, I can't get off of work. Um, Which we know is not true. And Phoebe's response to that is, well, yeah, if someone I was still in love with was getting married, I wouldn't want to go either. And Rachel is just like, I'm not in love with Ross. (laughs) And she starts getting very defensive and explaining, like, why she doesn't love him. But she loves him, but, like, as a friend. But then, like, I mean, I guess she's, like, has some sexual feelings. And basically she <laughs> admits that she is still in love with Ross and stands up and yells at Phoebe, Why didn't you tell me? We kind of thought you knew. <laughs> we all know. We talk about it all the time. And Rachel's like, Ross knows! And like, oh no, Ross doesn't know anything, which is a good line to summarize everything on this show, is that Ross never knows what's going on. Is that neither of them know what's going on, and that's why they're perfect for each other, but you're always like, oh, why? (laughs) On both sides. Oh, Rachel. Yeah. Very short while later, basically throughout these entire episodes, we're going back and forth of seeing scenes in New York, scenes in London, but we get to a point where Rachel just decides she's going to fly to London. She's just going to go because she needs to tell Ross that she loves him because he deserves to have all the information. And (laughs) just like, no, you're just hoping that he's going to tell you that he loves you back, but he doesn't. He loves Emily and you are just going to mess with his head and ruin his wedding. You had your chance. I know this must be really hard, but it's over. And when Phoebe (laughs) is giving the most like level headed advice, then you know, you're in a a sticky situation. Um, (laughs) And Rachel's just like, no, it's not over until someone says I do. And she runs off to the airport and this is basically the end of the first episode of this three-part we know that they've gone through all of these ups and downs between ross and emily trying to figure out what to do but they finally land on the fact that they're going to have the wedding in the same space that they intended it's just going to be a little bit different than they thought it would be and the cliffhanger for this episode is that rachel is coming to london yeah it's very like pre 9 11 getting on a plane scenario where you're like it's not that easy like what are you talking about you're just gonna pack your bags and show up at the airport and fly to London (laughs) like what well you can do that but and I appreciate in this next episode they're like this is how much it's gonna cost you to do that (laughs) true true we're starting into the second episode Phoebe is freaking out because Rachel has said she's flying to London. So Phoebe starts trying to call everyone. She wants to give somebody the heads up. And then we get to the rehearsal dinner. And that's part of why Phoebe can't get a hold of anybody is because everybody has gone to the rehearsal dinner. Um, And this is also when we see the Gellers fighting with, and by the Gellers, I mean Ross's parents starting to fight with Emily's parents because the Gellers decided to buck tradition and offered to pay for half of the wedding. 
And Monica's mom makes a snide comment about it's okay because it might be the only wedding that they ever get to throw anyway, implying that, you know, <laughs> Monica's never, ever getting married. She's just perpetually single. Then they see the bill for their half of the wedding and they notice that essentially they're paying to remodel Emily's parents' house because the reception is going to be held at Emily's parents' house. So I think that this is another good moment where we see Ross like really trying because he is like, do not yell at my future in-laws. I'm going to sit down. And he like basically starts negotiating between his parents and his in-laws over who's going to pay for what to avoid (laughs) a massive fight, which I don't really feel like is in Ross's normal character. No, but what isn't Ross's normal character is to allow this to have been the topic of discussion at the rehearsal dinner. Like, I just, I still can't get over, like, how did nobody talk about this until the night before the wedding? (laughs) He's trying to, like, clean up a mess that he basically is responsible for because he should have helped this process along while they were planning the wedding and not... He and Emily both. Like, the fact that there was no communication between them and her parents. It seems like her parents planned everything and then just handed over the bill. There was essentially no communication between anyone. I think that that's bizarre. I haven't been witness to weddings where that happens, typically. But maybe, maybe it's a common thing. I don't know. Let me tell you what isn't common is for... A, anyone to pay for somebody's, like, whole third floor remodel as part of the cost of a wedding, which is part of what was happening. But it's also not common that if you book a venue, even if it's, you know, a church or somewhere that isn't a big, expensive venue, if you book a venue, there's going to be somebody that you're talking to. With a contract with or a, some kind of agreement. Even if it's a handshake agreement, you <laughs> presumably have exchanged phone numbers or emails or something, um, some way for them to let you know like, oh, hey, by the way, we're demoing early, so yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a problem. So all this is going on at the rehearsal dinner due to the fact that, you know, Ross and Monica... By the way, Ross and Monica are brother and sister, in case that wasn't clear. Ross and Monica's mom is always kind of giving Monica her hard time for being single. So she's feeling very sad for herself because she's single and her brother's getting married again. And so she's getting a little bit drunk and a drunk guest comes up <laughs> and says something to Monica about like, Ross is great. You must have been so young when you had him. <laughs> implying that Monica is Ross's mother. She just gets more and more drunk and is feeling down on herself. And Chandler is trying to make her feel better. And we find out the next morning that they ended up sleeping together after the rehearsal dinner, which is the best part of this entire exchange. It really is. I just love them so much. Like the whole, I really... You know, I tried to watch these episodes with a critical eye, and every step of the way, I'm like, nope, there is no criticism of that relationship. It was good. Everything happened in a very, like, organic and mutual way. Monica and Chandler together. 
basically it, it's as it always should have been. And obviously they always planned it to get there, but it's the highlight of this very kind of depressing series of episodes. Yeah. If you're looking at like the lens that is pointed at relationships during these episodes, there's like the storyline between Ross and Emily, the storyline between Ross and Rachel, a lot of conflict and they're very like self-absorbed. It all just keeps coming back to like, but how is this going to affect me? And on the flip side, like Monica and Chandler get together because they're friends and they support each other. And like Chandler is not feeling sorry, but like he wants to be a supportive friend. And so he's spending a lot of time with Monica and Monica, I guess she is kind of focused on herself, but not in like a, not in an inappropriate way. Like I feel like most people would feel that way if their parents were really, um, shaming that much uh in that in those circumstances and then as as time goes on between the two of them like their relationship just continues to be about like what does the other person need from me and I just love that they make a lot of good decisions not all but a lot of them and especially since I mean we've already had Monica give her little monologue about how she's been dreaming of getting married since she was five so We know that while she's a very successful, independent woman, she has that desire to get married. And so to add on to that pressure from her parents and from these other external forces has just caused her to let her guard down. And in this particular case, it was for the best. So the night before the wedding is good for most people. Um, Chandler and Monica hook up. Joey hooks up with one of the bridesmaids who's played by Olivia Williams, which is (laughs) awesome. There are so many cameos in this series of episodes. Yeah. Earlier, uh, when Joey and Chandler were off sightseeing, Joey buys this like velour bright Union Jack hat from a kiosk (laughs) and the guy that's running the kiosk is Richard Branson. (laughs) Um, When Rachel finally gets on a plane, she is seated next to none other than Hugh Laurie. Which is Um, the best. Just the best. it's, it's, (laughs) It's perfect because he has made it very clear he doesn't want to talk to her, even though she, like, can't not want to talk about the fact that she's, like, going to confess her love to Ross. And so she's telling the guy across the aisle and finally Hugh Laurie is like let me just tell you that you are a terrible person (laughs) (laughs) and that you are going to ruin this wedding and it's very clear that you were on a break this is the moment that I probably would have been mad at him the first time I watched it back in the 90s and now I'm like of course he's right (laughs) like yes yeah (laughs) It goes back a lot to, so the very first movie that we reviewed for this podcast was My Best Friend's Wedding, and (laughs) that exchange between Rachel and Hugh Laurie is like one-tenth of the exchange between Julia Roberts' character and Rupert Everett's character in My Best Friend's Wedding, but essentially like the voice of reason that you don't want to hear. And like Phoebe tries too, but essentially now she's had multiple people telling her that this is not a good idea but she just can't see through that 
they have a whole plan. Phoebe's finally gotten a hold of Joey and lets Joey know that Rachel is coming to ruin the wedding. Monica and Chandler are supposed to be watching out for Rachel, but they're both feeling awkward and a little embarrassed about the fact that they hooked up last night, so they're very distracted. Joey is supposed to be watching for Rachel, but he is distracted once again by Olivia Williams, so they start making out in a closet. Or just, I don't think they're even in the closet. I think they're like in like an entryway by the door, and he like he's literally just, just doesn't even distracted. He's in the zone. <laughs> and so as Rachel is walking in, Ross and Emily are together because their parents are still fighting over all of the money. And Ross is basically saying like stop it. This is our wedding day and from now on everyone has to get along or there will be no grandchildren. <laughs> and so finally everybody shuts up and is like fine. Um, and Emily has heard all the fighting, so she's come out to see what's going on, and she's like, oh no, you weren't supposed to see me, it's bad luck, and Ross says one of the stupidest things you can say, I think we've had all the bad luck we're gonna have, mm-hmm. and they kiss, and it's this really good moment, they're clearly in love with each other, and that's when Rachel walks in, and she sees them kissing, and she has this realization where essentially everything that Phoebe said and everything that Hugh Laurie said has finally sunk in and she knows that it was wrong to kind of come here and confess her love to Ross and she decides not to tell him. The second good decision she's made. And uh, (laughs) it's seeming like everything is going to go great. Just to make it clear, like Ross has seen Rachel after he kissed Emily. He goes over, he says, I can't believe you came. And she, like, has this moment of, like, is she going to do it? And she says, like, congratulations. And he's just so happy to have his friend there. She's happy to be there, even though she's obviously a little sad. But basically everything seems like it's going to be okay. (laughs) It seems that way. Phoebe's on the phone with Joey so she can listen to the wedding. Chandler and Monica are walking down the aisle together as groomsmen and bridesmaid and they're kind of discussing how it was probably a bad idea to hook up, but they agree that they're going to do it again that night anyway. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the vows, the super fantastic vows. Mm. Um, I'm already so awkwardly like cringing <laughs> at this whole thing. <laughs> uh, so Emily goes first and says, I, Emily, take thee, Ross, to be my lovely wedded husband, blah, 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 till death do his part. And then we get to Ross and the... The minister is repeat after me. I, Ross, take thee, Emily. And he repeats, I, Ross, take thee, Rachel. And everyone is like, what? (laughs) Phoebe's on the phone and can hear that this happened. And she's freaking out back in New York. Everybody just looks around the room. And it cuts to Rachel. And she has this look of shock on her face. And basically, like, that's the end of season four. Yep. They cut us off. If you were watching this in real time, it was super, super stressful. Yeah. (laughs) Some of us watched it in real time. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even, like, have memories of that, but you're right. It would have been, like, a whole, like, summer of, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Yeah. No, it was very stressful if uh, (laughs) somebody who watched it in real time. Um, So when we come back to the beginning of season five, they kind of repeat the vows. So you get to see the shock and awe once again of Ross saying, I, Ross, take thee, Rachel. 
and immediately like you see him say Rachel and then he like kind of shakes his head a little bit bit and says like Emily I I mean Emily the minister basically has him repeat like very clearly this time repeat after me I Ross take the Emily oh and this is the second worst moment (laughs) and he says it right this time but it's just like so awkward because he's just like i do i really do he he says it like almost like in a patronizing way like the the minister's like take the emily and ross is like take the emily and like Like, really like makes a joke out of the whole thing yeah like this is not a lasting moment for emily or anybody else in the room like and he's just being socially awkward and clearly doesn't know how to react he's so flustered she is so shocked they do go through with the rest of the ceremony and become legally married and when he goes to kiss emily like she won't even let him kiss her and she like jammed the ring on his finger and right before that it cuts to rachel and you see her like asking around do you think i should go up there like did he just say my name should i should i go up there Um, (laughs) whoa what what in what universe would that be appropriate yeah and she's the only one not in the wedding so she is seated kind of in the audience with no one that she knows. So she's processing this all by herself and is like, what, what do I do? This means yeah. he loves me, right? Ooh. And the wedding is done. Chandler says it could have been worse. He could have shot her. <laughs> and basically as soon as Emily and Ross are out of the room after they walk down the aisle, Emily just elbows him as hard as she can in the gut. Which is what we all wanted to do. Really. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's horrible. It's the worst possible scenario. Like, it's almost better if somebody just leaves you at the altar. Because <laughs> then you at yeah. least know what's going on. <laughs> this, they actually yeah. ended up getting married. They are married. And yep. her dream wedding is now ruined because he said Rachel's name. So Phoebe calls Emily's mom. And in classic Phoebe tries to like fix the situation in the most hilarious way possible oh Um, yeah (laughs) phoebe calls emily's mom and is like i'm ross's physician dr phalange um (laughs) he has a very serious condition and he hasn't been taking his medication and his condition forces him to use women's names interchangeably (laughs) and her mom is just like this is phoebe isn't it (laughs) (laughs) at this point like they already know she's like no it's dr phalange you have it too nobody's buying that this was just an accident rachel finally goes up to monica and monica and chandler have just decided that they are going to try to find somewhere to have sex at the reception right and they're back at emily's parents house even though it really does feel like it, they're at some like fancy estate because there are so many rooms in this place or at least the rooms are gigantic well apparently the galleries helped to pay for half of the house so. right <laughs> right like it's just such a strange like I, I have to keep reminding myself this is a house okay cool and there's a wine cellar and so Chandler and Monica have decided that while in Vegas while in London they can have as much sex as they want because when they're in London, it doesn't count. They are planning to go down to the wine cellar and have sex. But Rachel comes up to Monica and is like, 
what should I do? Like, isn't this a sign? He said my name. Doesn't that mean that he's still in love with me? And Monica, once again, how many times does, do people have to be a voice of reason to Rachel in these episodes? I do not know. Monica's like, he is married. If you can't realize this, then I can't help you. So Emily has locked herself in the bathroom. Ross is very frantically standing outside the bathroom, hoping that she's going to come out any minute so that they can actually talk. And Rachel goes up to Ross and is like, it didn't mean anything right. Like, you just said that because you just saw me, like, because we just talked. My name was just in your brain. If I had been a circus freak that came up to you, you would have said, I take the circus freak. And Ross is like, of course it didn't mean anything. And Rachel's heart gets a little bit broken, but it's like basically what she had to assume at this point. Joey says something, comes up and says, you know, she's been in there a long time in the bathroom. And then Rachel shares that, yeah, at my wedding, when I locked myself in the bathroom and I was in there a long time, it's because I was trying to climb out the window. (laughs) So finally they open the door and they realize that, yes, Emily has climbed out of the window. That brings the whole reception to an end. There is no more bride. Everybody kind of heads back to their hotels. Chandler and Monica keep trying to find a place to have sex. But Rachel is in Monica's room. Joey is in Chandler's room. And so finally they go up to the honeymoon suite because they're like, well, Ross isn't going to be using this tonight. But Ross is there looking for Emily and is sad and wants them to hang out with him. And so basically Chandler and Monica never get to hook up again because they're being there for their friend, which is good. Ross is very (laughs) distraught. He hears the door knock in the morning, and it's Emily's parents coming to get her things. And he's like, well, where is she? I just want to talk to her. Um, Her mom says she's in hiding, she's utterly humiliated, and she never wants to see you again. There's also some weird thing with her mom. Like, I don't know what kind of character development they were trying to do with her, (laughs) where she's, like, coming on to Ross. She's a really famous British actress. Yes. Yes, she was in, um, like, a soap opera or something. She's in Ab Fab, absolutely fabulous. So I guess that's, like, her character in that, and they were trying to, like, play that up. Out of context, it's like, what? Where did that come from? Yes. So that's her character. I'm pretty sure I haven't watched a lot of AbFab, but from what I am aware of, I'm pretty sure that that's kind of her character and absolutely fabulous. And so I think that they kind of just like carried it over into this show. They really tried to just put as many cameos as possible. They did. Like, well, Fer- and Fergie was in it. Oh, yes. Fergie. (laughs) Not from the Black Eyed Peas Fergie. Right. The The real Fergie. The real Fergie. There's um, a video that Joey takes with Fergie while he's wearing his velour Union Jack hat. Yeah, basically it was like, who British wants to be in this episode of Fred? Yep, exactly. (laughs) Everybody come on in. Ross tells her parents that he still wants to try to work it out that It didn't mean anything that Rachel is just his friend. He loves Emily. They are married and that he will be waiting at the airport to leave for their honeymoon. And basically if she can forgive him, then she should plan to meet him there. Bet you can all guess how that worked out. (laughs) (laughs) 
the rest of the gang goes back to New York. Rachel is still stuck in London because she didn't have a planned flight. So she's on standby waiting to get back. Once everybody else gets to New York, you know, they settle in. And finally, Monica and Chandler have a moment alone. And they're like, well, too bad. We're back in New York. So guess we just had that one great night. Do you think, okay, maybe, maybe they're done. Chandler leaves the apartment and then immediately comes back in and is like, well, I'm still in London time. Does that count? <laughs> and the two of them hook up again. And this is the beginning of their continuous secret sex love affair that, as we all know, friends, fans, leads to them living happily ever after-ish. Um, but yes so Rachel is stuck in an airport back in London waiting on standby to get a flight to New York she's just you know meandering through the terminal like you do somehow she's in the same international terminal that Ross is as he is waiting to get on his flight to his honeymoon in Athens Um, so they're just chatting Basically, Ross's flight is about to leave, and Emily still has not shown up. And Rachel is trying to be supportive and is back in friend mode, and she's not really willing to, like, take any personal responsibility for the fact that, like, by her showing up, she kind of did ruin the wedding. (laughs) Right. Right. But she is trying to be comforting to him as a friend. And basically tells him, like you know, you should just, you should just go on this trip by yourself, get some distance and clear your head. And she's like, I'll see you at home if I can ever get a flight. And Ross is like, well, Uh. you could come with me. I have this extra ticket. We're back to Ross being terrible and making terrible decisions. Rachel's like, sure, because she's clearly still in love with him and is like, of course I'll go on your honeymoon with you. Oh my gosh. They get checked in and Ross is like, oh no, I forgot my jacket. So because somehow you can still, after you get checked in, run back out and grab your stuff. Um, (laughs) This plane has had like 10 last calls in the meantime. Like, yeah, they're not. This is so pre (laughs) 9-11. Somehow without a ticket or a boarding pass. Yeah. Emily walks up to the gate ready to try to make amends with Ross <laughs> and he sees her she sees him about to get on the plane with Rachel and they don't see any they don't say anything to each other at the end of this episode they just kind of exchange looks and she has this look of like horror and anger on her face and Ross is like what wait wait no she runs out of the airport and he runs after her <laughs> and meanwhile, Rachel is on a plane. <laughs> and ordering she, drinks. <laughs> ordering drinks for herself and for Ross. And she thinks Ross is just going to be a second. He's just grabbing his coat. She has no idea that Emily showed up. So Rachel flies to Athens, Greece by herself. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Ross tries to chase after Emily. But spoiler alert, guys, it doesn't end up good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Once you say the wrong name at your wedding, things just generally don't go as planned. It's really hard to come back from that. It's real hard to come back from that. (laughs) I can't imagine. 
So all those couples out there looking to get married, make sure you say the right name. Yeah, bare minimum. Like if you can get the right names out, then you are winning, according to friends. (laughs) That sound is just the sound that everybody made. Like, oh my gosh, what? (laughs) The fact that like everything was going so terribly wrong and they fixed it and then Ross still screwed it up. There's so many ways that they both just really have no self-awareness. And like I said earlier, that's why they're perfect for each other. Because in the end, they're just the two most like self-absorbed people. So taking a step back, I've been Rachel. Not not to that extent. But like there's this element that like you can relate because nobody wants to see their ex go off and be happy. And everybody, it crosses your mind. A lot of people like, well, what if I threw myself back in the mix? Then what? Would that really hold up? But like you don't act on that. You don't go through with it. And that's where Rachel is just so awful. And Ross is just clueless. They just don't have any self-awareness. Like I said, they never take the time to objectively look at how problematic their friendship is for their lives and for everybody else around them. I mean, this continues throughout the rest of the entire series. It's always a problem. And at one point when Rachel's trying to convince everybody that him saying her name meant something, she's on the phone with Phoebe and starts talking about like, Ross, age nine, sees me for the first time. (laughs) And so there's a little bit of like, well, he's always been in love with me. So of course he's still in love with me, even though for the majority of their lives knowing each other, Rachel has pretty much used that fact to her advantage. It took many, many years before they actually got together. And she was just happy to like have his love and adoration. Yeah. Rachel is in love with Rachel and she loves that somebody else loves Rachel too. Yes. And like, I I feel like even during the, the seasons where they are together in one way or another, you never really get the sense that like she thinks about him So, okay, so, like, backing up, I think in the first episode of this three-episode arc, there is this moment where she's sitting at the apartment with Phoebe, and Phoebe is like, oh, well, we just have to, like, form different associations with uh, your thoughts of Ross. And she tells Rachel to get her, like, a glass of water, some chocolate, and some photos of Ross or something, and... um, the chocolate and the water were for Phoebe. She holds up a photo in front of Rachel and says like, okay, well, what does, what do you think when you see this photo? And uh, Rachel does start to like name positive qualities about Ross, but I feel like that moment is so unique in the grand scheme of the series. Like there are so few episodes or moments when you actually see Rachel talk about Ross in any way that is reflective of Ross and not just his love for her. Yeah. And she even says like Phoebe's like, focus on his flaws. Right. And Rachel says, I had no problem focusing on his flaws when we were together. Right. That's one of the few times where I feel like she's acknowledging that her role in the fact that they broke up and that she was always a little bit down on him because 
from the get-go, she feels like she's the superior in this relationship. I mean, she's always been, like, even with the flashbacks from when they were younger and he was clearly in love with her back then, she's always been, like, a social climber. She always wanted to be more popular, be more cool. I think she's just always seen herself as better than him. And that doesn't lead to healthy relationships. No, generally. (laughs) Generally, you have to feel like your partner is your equal. Right. Healthy is not a word I would use for any part of Ross and Rachel's relationship at any point in time. Yeah, and it really gets emphasized through these episodes. And many, many times again in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but the the other thing is, like, I had so many feelings about Rachel because I felt like she was so self-centered and so self-absorbed. And she was just unwilling to acknowledge what everybody was trying to tell her. But there were several points where Ross was just, like, equally to blame. Starting with the opening scene, he didn't just say, oh, it's too bad that you can't come. He, like, is holding her hands saying, oh, I really wish you could come. No, really, why aren't you coming? No, really, I want you to come. And it's like, what's going on with him? Like, as much as he's trying to move on and be in this healthy relationship with Emily, like, he's got some old habits that didn't die as well. I have a hard time believing that he was, I mean, that's the, that's the over, yeah, that's the overarching story with Ross is that, like, he just can never let go. And that's ultimately, so we aren't getting into these episodes, but eventually there comes a time where Emily is willing to talk to Ross. And essentially she agrees that she will give their relationship and their marriage another go, but he has to promise to essentially never see Rachel again. Which I think is a completely fair thing to ask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your friend who came to our wedding to confess her love to you and that you said her name instead of mine, like it's, it's posed as this kind of irrational request that Emily is making and and ultimately Ross, because I could never not see Rachel. Right. I mean, so like logistically, he's probably right because he would have had to move to London and just disown all of his life, like all of his friends, his sister, who is best friends with Rachel. But like from a relationship standpoint, like Rachel is not just a friend. She is an ex-girlfriend at this point. She's an ex-girlfriend that's still like mucking up the works. (laughs) Like She's still getting in his head. And I don't know many people in relationships that would be like, oh, yeah, that ex of yours that you're clearly not over. Of course, you can still see them every day and at the detriment of our relationship. I'm definitely not saying that it's healthy to be in a relationship where one person is trying to control the actions of another. That's not what I'm saying. It's more of a situation where one member of this couple is telling you what they need to feel comfortable given past actions and you're unwilling to hear it. Not even willing to make a compromise. You know, maybe if I see Rachel, then I see her with you. We're always together. Like, I want you to feel like you can trust me in this situation because obviously she's been given fair reasons to not want to trust. I don't like how 
they kind of portray her as a villain down the line. Right. Ross could never leave New York because of his son. He has a son, Ben. Oh, that's right. Previous wife. Um, So I assume that Emily had planned to move to New York at that point. And uh, they would have just been in the mix with all the friends all the time. Yeah. So I could see why if she gave an ultimatum to Ross of like, you must move to London because we can't be around your friends, including Rachel. I could understand why he would make that decision because to say no, because of his son. Right. But he's saying no because he can't imagine not being around Rachel. It's not the right answer if he wants to be with Emily. Right. Right. It's clearly the right answer since he clearly wants to be with Rachel. Um, but in in a ideal scenario, he would have thought through all these feelings before screwing up so badly with Emily. And really, I'm sure breaking her heart. We don't get to see her side of the breakup really at all after that point. But can you imagine no. if this was like your friend, like witnessing this whole thing on play out and then being like, you're married to this guy though. What are you going to do now? <laughs> no, I would be the one giving the advice, like get as far away from this person as possible. He broke your heart and humiliated you. Yeah. That's when you, when the minister says, should I continue? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I right. <think> not. <laughs> right. Right. Like uh, all those people standing up there with her, like just kind of awkwardly, like, uh, I would have been the friend like tugging on her shoulder, like, or elbow, like, you want to go talk do you want to take a minute like we can come back but can we like figure out what to do here before you just plunge ahead yeah so a few main takeaways from all of this (laughs) one communication is very important two if you're still in love with your ex and they're not in love with you maybe skip that wedding three Get a wedding planner and make sure your venue isn't getting torn down. Yes. And like figure out the logistics beforehand. Yes. Figure out your budget. Make sure (laughs) everyone has agreed on the budget well beforehand. Yep. And I don't even remember what number I'm on, but (laughs) never ever feel pressured to go through with a wedding the day of just because everything's been planned right just to save face never ever ever like follow your heart (laughs) y'all but not if you're rachel do not Not. follow your heart if you're rachel (laughs) okay follow your gut what is your gut telling you sometimes your heart tells you some pretty stupid things yes follow your gut and if you're saying this is not right hit pause people will wait at your wedding. You can be late. Yeah. You yeah. can also cancel a wedding at the last minute and yeah. it's fine. But also like have a trusted friend, pay attention to the signs from the universe maybe, or even just the words coming out of your friend's mouth. Just in life, that's a good thing to have. And if you are the kind of person that questions your gut, maybe have an external gut, another, another person weighing in, like saying, I don't know about this. I think this is a bad idea. And then like actually give them some time and space to listen to what they have to say and consider that because we've all made really bad decisions. I mean, I've made stupid moves in my life and having like a best friend to call me out on that is what has saved me sometimes. And like, don't underestimate that. Yeah. 
Oh, poor Emily. Yeah, poor Emily. <laughs> Her parents seem kind of terrible. Yeah, I'm sure that she goes on to do something amazing after this. Like, we're just going to assume that she finds happiness in some way. Happiness away from Ross. The good news is there are many more weddings that take place in Friends. So here's hoping, Lucy, that I can have you back to talk about some of the other weddings. Oh, my goodness. In the future. I would literally do like a whole podcast series on just all of the relationships and friends. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and on record the the next time that Lucy's on the podcast, not sure when that will be, but the next time that Lucy's on the podcast, we'll talk about the Vegas wedding. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say, for some reason, the first thing that popped into my head was Phoebe and Mike. Oh my god, I forgot about that. There are so many weddings. There's so many weddings. Well, next time let's talk about the Vegas one. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm on it. I'm there. Let's get through all of Ross's terrible weddings. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Just like really take down the patriarchy that is Ross. That is Ross. <laughs> like he's a nice guy who does terrible terrible shit he's like sums up the patriarchy right there yeah but okay so real quick to ross's credit i now have two sons who have gone through like major dinosaur phases and like the whole running joke throughout the series was like oh this boring paleontologist watching it now that i actually know so much about paleontology because that's what you do when you're a parent of kids who are obsessed with a topic he actually knows a lot of stuff. He's pretty smart and interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that. If you ever learn a little, just a little bit more about paleontology, there are some like pretty decent, hilarious paleontology jokes thrown into Friends that like went right over my head several times <laughs> until I like actually learned like what the Mesozoic period was, <laughs> and, like all of that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's funny. He's actually kind of clever and nobody else gets it in the show which is kind of part of his character (laughs) right exactly exactly well thank you lucy so much for being here um can you tell everybody who's listening where they can find out more about you well thank you for having me uh you can find out more about my work on my website which is my name lucy baber photography that's b-a-b-e-r not barber uh i get that a lot and um, I'm also on social media, Lucy Baber Photography on Facebook and just Lucy Baber on Instagram. And my 100 Black Dads project ha- now has um, its own social media presence as well um, under 100 Black Dads Project. And the, um, the website for that is on my business website. It's got its own page. As Lucy mentioned, it is a pro bono project. So if you want to see the project continue, how many of the 100 have you completed? So I'm working with two other photographers now, um, Sabrina Guyton and uh, Array Adesina. And I think combined, we're a little over 30. One, if I can do a quick plug, my next step with this is I am currently in the process of learning about the book publishing world, hoping to give it a bigger platform sooner rather than later. So um, I'd love to hear from the leads in that network as well, because I am 
a photographer, not a writer. And it's so overwhelming and brand new to me. But I've, I've formed some really good friendships so far trying to navigate this. And I'd love to see this project published soon. And if you are listening and you think that this project sounds awesome, because it is, um, then there's also a way on Lucy's website for you to donate to help support the project and keep it going. And hopefully uh, then one day we will get to see all of these stories in in print, which is amazing. I'm so excited to hear that that's the direction that this is going. Yay, I am too. I'm super nervous, but very excited. Oh, it is going to be awesome. Thank you again, Lucy, and have a great night. And thank you for talking to me about All Things Friends. (laughs) Not All Things Friends yet. We still have a lot to go over. We do. We do. Thank you so much for having me. And I had a lot of fun. Bye. The Catalyst Wedding Review Podcast is a production of Catalyst Wedding Co. Show your support of Catalyst and this podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash catalystwedco. You can find real wedding inspiration and advice for feminists, the LGBTQ plus community, and woke folk at www.catalystwedco.com. And if you're engaged in looking for wedding vendors that share your values, then look no further than the Catalyst Vendor Directory. Also, follow us at Catalyst Wedco on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Our theme song was composed by Momentum. Our co-founders are Liz Susong and Carly Romeo. Our operations manager is Marley Hilton. Our editorial team consists of Amber Marlowe, Michaela Dietz, Jordan Maney, and Cindy Savage. Our intern is Sydney Zwick. Our advertising and sponsorship team consists of Katie Wannon and Erica Swift. For advertising or sponsorship inquiries, email sales at catalystwedco.com. As always, I am Jen Samako, the CEO of Catalyst Wedding Co., and I am always open to hearing your thoughts. Send your ideas and comments to jen at catalystwedco.com. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week disrupting the wedding industry.